This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Hey, Walter here. On today's Naz and Wally Sports Hour, we revisit a conversation we had with Paul Henderson and Phil Esposito, September 2014. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning. Welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on AM740. Um, this morning is September 28th, and some minds the greatest day in Canadian hockey sports history and without further ado we have on the line paul henderson one of the heroes of that series good morning paul good morning gentlemen how are you this morning i'm fabulous what a great great day uh very quickly paul when you wake up on september 28th uh, i know it's not a special anniversary today it's the 42nd but uh, in the minds of so many millions of canadians uh we all remember where we were on this day 42 years ago. When you wake up on September 28th, does it mean anything extra special? Uh, well, I, it does. There's no question about it because uh, almost every day you hear stories of where people were uh, and what they were doing. And so, uh, and obviously the highlight of my whole athletic career. So it, it certainly is a, a special day. I had a grandson that... Uh, got engaged uh, two nights ago, and I uh, said, man, you should have waited the 28th, and that would have been really special. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, yes, it is a special day for the Henderson family. Paul, let's go back to the winning goal. I'm sure you've uh, rehashed this many, many a times over the past number of years. How did you get in your mind to take Pete Mahovlich off the ice and get him off the ice on your winning goal? Well, it was totally spontaneous. Like, it was not premeditated at all. I just found myself, it was almost like a, an out-of-body experience. Uh, uh, like, I never, ever did it before that, and I never, ever did it again. Uh, but something, maybe because I'd scored the winning goals in the two previous games, and, you know, we just had to win this series. And so I took a big chance and uh, started yelling at Peter Mohovlich, and thank goodness uh, he thought it was a coach yelling at him and came off. But... Can you imagine if I'd have done that and the Russians would have gone down and scored and we'd have lost the series? You see, I would be talking to a group in Siberia today, not Ken. <laughs> <laughs> you talk about risk-reward, uh, that was the situation. But something within me just seemed to impel me to want to get on the ice. Paul, the month of September 1972 was really, really a remarkable, uh, remarkable month in hockey, and we have so many incredible memories not, not just of Game Eight, of Game One, of Game Four, of Game Five. Uh, I mean, every game in that Summit Series was so unique, in, in so many different ways. Uh, does it still amaze you that 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 Game Eight in that series is so important to? an entire generation of Canadians? 
Well, I tell you what it was for us. I'll tell you what, uh, uh, fear is a wonderful motivator. Because uh, I said <laughs> to my wife, if we don't win the last three games, this after we lost the first game in Moscow, and actually I got ahead of concussion in that game, they, sh- they should never have been allowed to play, but that was, of course, <laughs> we didn't understand the, uh, you know, the damage from concussions back then. But uh, I said to her that we have got to win the last three games, so we're going to be known for lo- as losers for the rest of our lives. And, and uh, I-, I am so thankful for the 3,000 Canadian fans that came over there because they rallied around us. Uh, it was unbelievable. They out-cheered uh, the Russians and got behind us, and, you know, we were able to persevere. And uh, it's the old story, you never give up. And so we... Uh, but I've been riding that one goal for 42 years. And <laughs> good you, for you. It's been a really good ride. <laughs> and you should ride it. It was so important. Uh, Paul, uh, how... Uh, the day and age of uh, technology now, you can get a uh, message to people instantaneously. Did you know when you were playing there in, in, the, in the Soviet Union, how much of a rea- what kind of a reaction there was back home with the people here? Oh, well, we had a, a partial idea, but nothing of the magnitude uh, that happened. Like yesterday, I did a thing for uh, road hockey for cancer, and last night we had the, the gala dinner for... Uh, uh, Hazel McCallion, her uh, retirement party out here. And I, you know, I probably talked to 50 people, new people, that had to tell me where they were and what they were doing. And I've never tired of that. You know, the wonderful thing about 72 is it was win-win for everything. There's no downside to it. It was a win for NHL hockey. It was a win for Canada. It was a win for all the hockey players on the team and certainly for the pride of our country. And and several, even women last night, older women, uh, one woman came up to kiss me on the cheek and says, Paul, it was one of the greatest days of my life. And, and she was older, you know, she was older than me. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty satisfying. There's no question about it. And uh, it, the fact that it's, it's lived on this long, it, it astounds all of us on Team Canada. None of us in a million years would have ever believed that would have lived on. And, uh, you know, I, I get I get as much fan mail today as I did back when I played with the Leafs. So, uh, uh, like I said, it's been very satisfying. It's uh, it's interesting. Satisfying uh, is uh, an understatement. Uh, certainly, uh, from our perspective, uh, we were there and we were watching it. And our generation, uh, certainly, everybody remembers exactly where they were that day. Um, but you became a national hero overnight, and. Um, was that ever? Uh, I, I know that uh, in, in the in the near future, in the future, just after that, you sort of found a different way in your life. Was it was it ever a burden being a national hero? Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was too much, too fast, uh, and it just came on me uh, like there was no preparation for me. I mean, I was a good hockey player, one of the better hockey players, the teams that I played on, but I wasn't a superstar or anything like that. And then all of a sudden, this accolades come, and everybody wanted me to do everything here and there. And it was, and uh, we were, my wife and I, we are pretty private. Well, my wife is certainly a private person and tried to, and she, our home was our oasis away from the game. And she protected uh, our family from the game of hockey and the, uh, and all the, you know, interruptions. And it just totally uh, discombobulated us because. <laughs> Everybody wanted us to do this, do that, and everything like that. And, you know, in hindsight, I, I don't think I handled it all that well. 
uh, I had no spiritual dimension to my life uh, at that point. I, I didn't become a Christian until 1975, and I think if I would have had a, a spiritual side of my life, I probably would have handled it a lot better because, uh, you know, when everything was good, I was high as a kite. When things were bad, I was lower than a snake's belly. And that's a terrible way to live your life. Uh, and uh, since becoming a Christian, I've learned that you've got one day at a time, uh, live it to the best way you can, and uh, treat people with respect, and don't, you know, don't think you're any better than anybody else. And, and the older you get, you realize the more you help other people, the better it goes for yourself. And so, um, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I handled it the best way I could at the time, but I certainly handled it a lot better after I developed the spiritual side of my life. You have probably many stories, Paul, over your hockey career. You went through the Team Canada. You went through Harold Ballard, the Birmingham Bulls, the old dirty Birmingham Bulls team. And uh, you probably have many, many stories that uh, you can talk about. Uh, uh, how did you feel about your career? Well, I had a great career. Uh, I played 18 years. And the, the good thing about it, my wife was a hockey fan. She loved going to the games, loved watching me play, and as our children did also. So there's nothing but good memories. It's amazing when you when you play hockey that you, you don't want to get traded. Like, I, I was devastated when I was traded from Detroit to Toronto at the time. But then I came to Toronto, and it was just such a great experience here. I think as a Canadian, you know, and it, with my personality, I love the spotlight. I love the... Uh, you know, the pressure of playing in, in Toronto. I think I've always done better under pressure. And so for me, it, Toronto was a great place to play. And then Ballard drove me crazy. And then we <laughs> ended up in, down in Birmingham, Alabama. And we loved it down there. And so, you know, after it was all over, Eleanor, uh, you know, we said, man, I wish maybe we would have traded a couple of more times because every place we went, we seem to just enjoy it incredibly. And it's a new experience. You meet new people, new cultures even. Going in Alabama, mm -hmm. uh, Birmingham, Alabama was a big cultural change. And we were down there eight years, and we came back to Canada in 84. And Canada had changed unbelievably. Uh, 76 to 84, I mean, we come back and we heard languages we'd never heard before. We've always lived in Mississauga, and so... And so, you know, you learn, you grow in those situations when you're out of your comfort zone. And uh, and through that all, our family really became close. And uh, so a, a good experience. Uh, you know, I, I tell kids today, you know, if you can make a, a hockey a career, it's, it's just a great game. Keep your feet on the ground. Do the best you can every day. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. And uh, you'll enjoy it. Paul, uh, you're you're certainly a very spiritual man, and uh, and um, if uh, you were to talk to players who are just starting their NHL careers in the next couple of weeks, what would you tell them? What would you say to them? What would they be? What would they? What would they be looking forward to? How they? Sh how should they handle it? What advice would you give them? Well, first thing I tell them is enjoy yourself. Uh, hockey is a game, and if you can make a living at it, that is uh, it is terrific. Uh, and, but you got to relax and go out there and have fun. Because if you put too much pressure on yourself, it's all about winning and losing. Uh, it, it, it's a terrible, it's too big a weight for anybody. But the fact of the matter is, uh, I, I think, you know, the Lord tells us we're supposed to, doesn't matter what we do, we're supposed to do it to the best of our ability. So I would tell them, you know, uh, don't slack off. I mean, get yourself in the best physical shape that you can. 
The other thing I tell them is listen to your coaches, listen to your uh, your teammates, and become a team player. Everybody knows who uh, the team players are and who are the Lone Rangers and are out there for themselves. And so uh, it, it's amazing in life, the older you get, the more you give away, the more it comes back. You know, like a smile, you know, like a whole lot of things. And so I would tell them, go out there and uh, your teammates would know. Now, there's a guy that comes to play. He's a team player. And obviously, everybody's going to have a bad game. And don't beat yourself up when, you you know, things don't go well because they're not going to go well every day. Because, But the wonderful thing about hockey is the next game, you could be, you know, you score a hat trick and you're the star of the game and you're right back on, on top again. So my advice to them is to give it your best shot. Every time you go out on the ice, make sure your teammates uh, uh, know that you're a team player. And uh, just enjoy the process. Man, we live in the best country in the world, and the opportunity to be a professional hockey player is just such a wonderful, wonderful gift. So don't uh, don't miss the uh, enjoying yourself along the way. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. It's September 28th, the 42nd anniversary of Game 8 in Moscow. On the line with us, the hero of that game, Paul Henderson. Paul, you certainly had... Uh, arguably the most brilliant week of, of a Canadian hockey player in hockey history. And um, that was an, uh, an incredible... You, you, you took us to a, a level that we had never experienced before. And the debate comes up every year, and I know, I, I know what, your, what your take on it is, that we always talk about whether Paul Henderson should be in the... Uh, in the Hockey Hall of Fame, and there's people that have strong opinions on both sides of that debate. And I've read your opinion. You you don't you don't believe that you should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame, although you are sensitive to the fact that a lot of us, including the two people sitting behind these microphones, think that that you should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. But you are in the International Hockey Hall of Fame. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, what what a great time it was. Uh, that was a year ago, June, and, uh, and it was really neat. It was really satisfying. We had uh, two of our really couple of friends of ours went over, and, and actually we took uh, my, my grandson and uh, one of my buddy's daughters on that trip, and they just got engaged this week. Uh, they'd only met three days before, but uh, we went over there, and Matt Sundin was in, and uh, Peter Forsberg and Temple Newman were also inducted. And we spent a week over in uh, in uh, you know, Stockholm and had a great time. But the best has to be. I don't know it, but the day, you know, the induction, they bring out, and to introduce Paul Henderson, Vladislav Trekteak comes out. And Vladdy, uh, you know, I know him pretty well, and he said some nice things about me. But then there was a pregnant pause, and he said, you know, Paul, I've looked at those replays over and over, and I know why you scored that last goal. And then he pauses and he says, Paul, it was very bad goaltending. <laughs> and just brought the place down. You know, then he came over and gave me a, a big hug. And it was so neat, to, you know, our great adversary. And I've gotten to know Tretiak over the years, a wonderful, wonderful man. But that was the highlight, having uh, Tretiak come out and introduce me and obviously say some very nice things about me. But it was... Uh, once again, my wife was there, my wife of uh, 51 years, Eleanor. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. And then a, grand, uh, a grandson and his future wife were there. So uh, it was a, just a terrific, terrific time. Paul, let's go back to the grassroots. I met you last uh, winter in a hockey tournament, a juvenile hockey tournament that my son played in, in Lucknow, Ontario. And um, 
You know, the, it was everybody was impressed, especially the kids coming back and how you talked to every single kid during that tournament. It's amazing what you've brought back to the uh, to the community that you came from. Please explain the grassroots that you came from. Well, a little village of Lucknow, uh, less than a thousand people up uh, near Godridge, Ontario. My father worked for the railway, and he was the uh, station uh, station agent. And uh, back in the 50s uh, and uh, 60s, it, it was just one of the best places in the world to grow up. We, uh, we could go fishing, get up in the morning in the summertime, and you'd leave the house. Your parents were never concerned about you at all. And, and we played all the sports. There was no television uh, you know, before that. And so we were outside all the time in the summertime. And uh, it was just a great way of life. And uh, and we were very poor, and uh, but most of the people in town were. I mean, I didn't like the fact that I didn't. We didn't have much, but uh, it was just a great way to to grow up. A very, uh, just a great part of the country, and so that's where my start came from. Uh, actually, my first coaches were Chinese family, uh, the Chin family, and they were <laughs> incredibly great little hockey players. But they were too small to play in the NHL, but. They sort of took me under my wing and uh, and started it off. And so my roots were there. All my minor hockey, I played there. And I remember the people that drove us to different places and all the road hockey. Yesterday, uh, it, when I was down talking to the, you know, the road hockey for cancer, uh, cancer cure, I said that was the only time in my life where I was the best hockey player uh, because it was only five of us in the little village where we played on the street all the time. And I was definitely... <laughs> <laughs> the best player yeah. uh, uh, on the road when we played. And so a lot of great memories. And my wife comes from that area also. She's from just down the road, uh, Dungannon, on a farm. And so we go back there every year, and there are just some great people up there. Eleanor's she has two brothers that still live in the area, one in Lucknow and then one out on the farm near Dungannon. And so uh, we go up there every year. Uh, we go up and spend the weekend and... And two of my buddies that uh, we've all been married to 50 years, and we get together. The six of us have a dinner every year. And uh, so it's just a, a wonderful, wonderful time. The heritage is there, and I'm very, very proud that, uh, you know, Lucknow is my hometown. Uh, Paul, uh, uh, we have with us this morning Paul Henderson on the 42nd anniversary of the eighth game in Moscow. Thanks so much, Paul. Just I know that you've got a busy day ahead of you. We won't keep you much longer. Um, you are a national hero to so many of us, and, and because you're a national hero, we're, we worry about you. you. We know that uh, you had some health issues, and uh, please tell us how you're doing. Well, I was diagnosed in uh, November of '09, and uh, I was diagnosed with uh, lymphocytic lymphoma chronic leukemia. And uh, uh, I did everything in the world to try to beat cancer from the inside, uh, really get on a a regime of exercise and uh, foods and supplements and everything like that. But uh, uh, but it, it, I, uh, we weren't able to stop it. And I was really fortunate. Uh, two years ago, I was uh, almost 25 pounds lighter than I am today, and I was getting disfigured with uh, uh, lymphoma. But I got into a clinical trial down in uh, Bethesda, Maryland, at the uh, National Institutes of Health. And it was like winning the lottery to get in there and basically became a lab rat and uh, but it has really gone well. I still have cancer, but the, the, uh, this drug I'm on is uh, holding it at bay at this point. And so uh, 
uh, we're doing uh, pretty well. But like we say, we take one day at a time, try to enjoy it the best way we can. And my quality of life is pretty good. There's side effects to everything. Uh, there's no question about that. And some are not that great, but uh, you deal with them. And so uh, I'm very, very fortunate. And uh, hopefully someday we're going to find a cure for this. At this point, there's uh, no cure for what I have. Uh, it'll eventually get me at some point. But you know, I'm 71. I have no complaints. My dad died at 49, and so uh, I've had a wonderful life. And uh, I just, at this point in life, I just refuse to have a bad day. I wake up in the morning. Okay, I got today. We'll live it the best way we can. And if tomorrow, and I unashamedly ask for help every day, like I did. Okay, Lord, I obviously I'm in over my head here, but you make so many promises to me, and I unashamedly ask for help. And and uh, down the road we go. But I probably have a couple of thousand people that pray for me every day. I, it's just amazing uh, when I go out there and people tell me, you know, Paul, uh, you know, I I love you, and uh, uh, you know, 72, and so I pray for you all the time. <laughs> It amazes me Paul, how many people tell me that they're praying for me. And so I think that's one of the reasons that we are still kicking and uh, down the road we go. Paul, we know uh, you've certainly got two gentlemen here, Naz and Wally, that uh, are you're constantly in our thoughts and prayers, and we wish you all the best. Uh, we thank you for, uh, for all the incredible memories that you've left um, with so many millions of us. Um, it's been a joy talking to you this morning and reliving those memories. We can only say from the bottom of our hearts, we wish you all the best and the best of health as long as possible. Thanks so much for joining us. We really, really appreciated this. Yeah, my pleasure, boys. God bless you. Thank you, Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Paul. Bye-bye. That was Paul Henderson. Uh, some fantastic memories, Naz. Um, where were you? Where'd you watch the game in 72? Because uh, we, all, we all remember where we were. Uh, I was playing football at that time. In a junior game, so I really didn't see it. Oh, I was on a bus with uh, playing junior football. They didn't cancel we were, the game? They didn't cancel the game, but everybody else got to watch it anyway. <laughs> I did see bits and pieces. We were in uh, grade 10, Emory Collegiate. Um, um, uh, this may be an admission. Hopefully my ex-teachers aren't listening, but I cut classes that day and skipped school and went off to a buddy of mine's house, Danny, to to watch the game. And then afterwards, uh, went crazy, drove downtown, and uh, had a lot of fun. Uh, certainly remember that goal and Foster Hewitt's call, uh, call for the ages. Uh, remember a couple of those words, Naz, at all? Yeah, I do. Henderson takes a wild stab at you. You wanted me to do my Foster Hewitt impression. impression. But just tell me the words then. Yeah, I'm sure you remember the words. Took a stab at it. He scores. Henderson has scored for Canada. Yeah, it was was terrific. Foster Hewitt was really good. And, you know, we were talking about this earlier. Uh, Just listening to that goal, the play-by-play by Foster Hewitt, goosebumps all over. And it happens every time I listen to it. I listened to it four or five times this morning. And every time, it was an absolutely amazing time. And people, you know, the, some of the young people that are around don't understand what happened back in 72. It basically shut the country down. This game, everybody watched it. It was absolutely remarkable. Anyways, another, uh, we've had Paul Henderson. We're going to go to break. And when we come back from break, hopefully we have the other, I wouldn't say the other, uh, another, uh, the, the great hero from that series as well, Paul, Paul Anderson got a lot of, uh, a lot of the glory for his three game winning goals, but, uh, 
the heart and soul of that team was Phil Esposito. Oh, no question. Phil Esposito. And uh, Phil Esposito in that series probably played hockey at a level that is comparable to anybody who ever played the game. And uh, we're looking forward to having him on the line right after the break. You're listening to a special encore presentation of an interview we had with Paul Henderson and Phil Esposito in September of 2014. More coming up in a moment. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville announced their loyalty program, but some listeners thought I was saying royalty program. <clears throat> to be clear, Pizzaville cannot get you into the royal family. Stop that. However, after your sixth online order, you'll get a large pizza of your choice free with your seventh order, and that'll make you feel like a king or queen. Oh, boy. Find out more at pizzaville.ca. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000 square foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. Hey, Walter here. On today's Naz and Wally Sports Hour, we revisit a conversation we had with Paul Henderson and Phil Esposito, September 2014. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio, the new AM740. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740 radio. Uh, Today is September 28th, 42 years ago today in Moscow, in the then Soviet Union, Communist Russia, was uh, the infamous Game 8. Paul Henderson scored the winning goal, I believe, with 54 seconds. But we have with us this morning, who I consider to have been the heart and soul of that team, uh, certainly the best player in that series, as far as I was concerned, uh, Phil Esposito. Good morning, Phil. Good morning. How are you? We're doing great. Thank you so much for joining us. Okay. Uh, we just had, we just finished uh, 10, 15 minutes with uh, with Paul Henderson, and we are oh, talking. Yeah? yeah, we just had some fun with Paul, and uh, cool. uh, uh, he's doing uh, as doing well. He's 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 facing his challenges head on, and we just wished yeah. him the best. I'm going to see him actually next. To Thursday Fantastic. in St. Catharines. We're having a little banquet up there, and 
and Paulie's going to be there, and I'm going to get to see him again. So uh, it'll be fun. Uh, Phil, um, it's 42 years ago today. When you wake up on uh, on September 28th, um, does it mean anything special to you? <laughs> Listen, no, it doesn't, to be no, honest no. with you. And we appreciate your honesty. I'm sorry? And we appreciate your honesty. I mean, it doesn't be. It's 42 years ago, man, and... There are certain dates that mean a lot to me. November 7th, because I got traded from Boston <laughs> to New York. I remember that date pretty well. But, of course, September 28th. But until people mention it, I'm not, I don't take it as a, yep. as a serious day. That's all I remember is that it was over with, and I was very happy that it was over with. Even though we went on to... Uh, uh, the Czech Republic and uh, played in Prague. And then it was called Czechoslovakia, and um, uh, we played in, in Prague that game. Uh, I think we tied it. You tied one. three. I can't to even th- remember that, but because I don't remember going to Prague <laughs> as much. I think the score uh, was anything th- else. I, I did get my nose broken there. <laughs> I remember I got a stick in the in the face. So, but um, look, <clears throat> there are other. Other things happened. Other things, you know. I mean, yeah. May twenty or uh, September twenty eighth, uh, obviously, will be something that'll I'll be reminded until the day I I die. So let, let me ask you, Which Phil. Yeah, let me ask perhaps from a different from a different angle, um, from the fans' angle. Does it does it still amaze you that uh, that that game is in series is so important to so many millions of Canadians? Do you find that well, shocking I after forty two years? It's still important to a lot of Canadians. But I, since going back to Russia on the 40th anniversary yep. and been back about six times now, I can't believe how it's so important to the to the Russians. Um, last time I was there, I'm sitting with a guy named Scotty McPherson, also a Canadian boy, and we're sitting there and at a at a restaurant and having lunch, and this car goes by, and uh, there's my face and picture on a car. Wow. With Tretiak, with Vlad, and, and I'm thinking, what? It's 40-some years ago, and they're putting my picture on the thing, and um, I, I mean, that part of it amazes me, and getting to know some of the people over there, and they think that that was the greatest series ever, and it was without a doubt the one thing that got the Russians to be more involved with hockey than they were before. And they, I mean, I've watched a lot of KHL games and all that. They're playing hockey over there like we played in the 70s. And we're playing hockey like they did now, like they did in the 70s. That's now, interesting. People decide which would they like better. That's interesting how that's changed. Now, we yeah, all go... because uh, let's not forget... These guys trained uh, for, what, years? I was told by Yakashev that as a 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old, every, every summer they would take that same team, basically, take them into Moscow for four to six weeks and learn and train on how to beat the Canadians. Uh, I, I mean, you think about that. And they did it for 10 years. 
Uh, Phil, I've got to ask you, um, you're, you were uh, quoted as saying uh, you were a little disappointed at the, uh, at the Sochi Olympics because the Russians honored honored their 72 team at those Olympic uh, at those Olympics but we we didn't honor our 72 team and um, and yeah and that, I, I'm disappointed in a lot of things yeah. that the Canadian government has done and I I mean I've talked to the Prime Minister head-on and he says unfortunately there's no money unless it's the 25th anniversary or the 50th anniversary, because we tried to get him involved in our 40th anniversary, and he did. He actually came to the banquet we had in, in, in Toronto, and he did come, and he did support us, but he said they don't honor anybody except for 25 and, and 50 years. And I said, well, 50 years comes, yes. most of us will be gone. Yeah. So I said, why wait, you know? This is a big one for the Russians. It was a big one for us. And quite frankly, when we went overseas to Russia, all us guys, we were treated like like gods. And I was so impressed, and so was the other guys that were there, and, and, and which is fine. And if that's how they wanted to do it, that's fine with me. And, you know, I mean, don't sweat off our noses. Your interview with Johnny Esau back after Game 4, I believe, in Vancouver, goes down in history, in Canadian hockey history, as the most important interview ever. Yeah, who knew? Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> you know, I still watch that on clips, and I, and I have said this, and then, Phil, I've never seen a guy take a team on his shoulder. Like, a, he, you took that team of stars, the 72 guys, and you took them on your shoulders. And you were absolutely incredible in that series. Well, thank you very much. You know, the funny thing was that, uh, uh, as you know, you reflect back on things. I mean, you think about it. I had scored 71, 76 goals the year before. I hated you scoring most of them against the Leafs. People didn't think that I was uh, a good player. They thought I was okay, but I had Bobby Orr, which is true. And before that, in Chicago, I had Bobby Hull, which is also true. But, uh, listen, a guy takes advantage of playing with great players. You know what oh, I mean? Phil, you're, you're, you a great, you're a great player, and in my books, uh, arguably the best center in, in, uh, in NHL history. Um, well, I appreciate that. Uh, there, there's and, no and, question and about that. Very nice. But let me tell you this, and I said this before. I won the Stanley Cup that year. I won the MVP. won the scoring championship. was first All-Star. We were playing for nothing. What the hell are they going to do to me? Nothing. Somebody had to say something. Somebody had to say something, not only to the fans, but to the fact that we were so ill-prepared. And we should have never been that ill-prepared. They should have never put us in a situation like that without us being at the tip-top our conditioning, tip-top of, of being a team. And so most of us thought it was going to be like an all-star game. And imagine our surprise in Montreal with 93-degree temperature, no air conditioning at the forum at the time. And, uh, and we score, you know, we're up to nothing <clears throat> in the first period. And all of a sudden, these guys start turning it on. And uh, no one, no one told us that they were able to play like they played. And believe me, 
sitting on that bench in the forum that night, I'm thinking to myself, holy crap, these guys are good players. And how are we going to get ourselves, how are we going to get ourselves totally ready so that we can win this? And I remember walking to the press conference with, with Sinden after the, after the game, and because it was, uh, they picked me, and and I said to Harry, I says, if we don't get our, you got to get this get the bunch of guys. We got thirty five guys. We can't all play. I don't care who you pick. If it's not me, that's fine. But we, got, you cannot be screwing around here. We've got to have a team, and the only way to beat them is to become a team. And if we don't become a team, we're going to lose. And and then so you know we played in Toronto. He got a team together, went to Winnipeg, and he, he kept my brother in net in Winnipeg, and we tied. And and my brother and the goaltending specifically, Tony and uh, Kenny, they weren't prepared to play each game, every game, because it was too early in the season for him, you know. And uh, forwards, we can get away with a little bit. Defense get away with a little bit less. And uh, but goaltending, you can't get away with it, Phil. And I just was kind of angry at myself for not taking this as seriously like we should have. And uh, eventually, uh, I mean, when the booing and I saw Billy Goldsworthy's face and and uh, how absolutely devastated he was. I mean, and um, a couple of the other guys, I it just. Peed me off. <laughs> what when, can I say? When, when did that? When did that series um, turn around? When? When did? When did you? When did you? Re- uh, my personal feeling is the series turned around. When we went to Sweden. We were so. Um, everybody seemed to be against us. I remember putting uh, in my hotel room, uh, seeing some of the newspapers about. We were the Italian, uh, we were the Canadian mafia, and <laughs> we were hitmen, and we were not good prepared. We all things, as far as the preparation was concerned, were true, but the rest of it absolutely untrue. And yeah, we played we played like animals in Sweden, but we gave what we got, and people still refuse to believe that. I played against a lot of players in my career. And uh, this, that two games against the Swedish teams was as dirty uh, as I've ever encountered as a player, for sure. I mean, I did things I never did before in my life, but I got things done to me that I couldn't believe. And um, But we became a team there. We really did. We became uh, a team that was... We rallied around the fact that nobody cared for us. The people back home were yelling and screaming at us. Everybody was disappointed. Everybody. So, you know, I, I think that, to me, that's when we became a team. In the first game in Russia, we were ahead, and we ended up losing because, quite frankly, that East German referee, and I can remember his name, is Kampala. Kampala. Uh, Never Joseph. forget him as long as I live. Nobody in Canada will ever forget him. This guy was this guy was downright dishonest. Yeah. And he was dishonest because he was East German, or whatever he was, and I'm sure that 
his family and everything else is threatened. Hey, look, it's changed over there? Absolutely. Absolutely it's changed. In fact, they're, they're more capitalistic than yeah. the United States yeah. or Canada, for sure. And uh, personally, I like that. And I, I just thought that as players... We just had to do what we had to do. And I kept, kept saying that. But well, finally, Harry kept the guys together, and then Vic Hadfield goes home, and I guess Gilbert uh, uh, Perrault, and, and they get ridiculed, which was absolutely unnecessary, because I will tell you this right now. If I wasn't playing, I would have never stayed in Russia. Never. Well, Phil, I've got to ask you, um, Game 8, it's 5-3 to three Russia, or Soviet Union, going into the third period. Um, yep. 20 minutes left, the, the whole series is on the line. What do you remember about what was said in the dressing room during that? That we weren't going to lose. And who was saying that? Was, was it the coach? Was it the players? No, tell tell the me players. what happened in that dressing room. I, I, the players were saying it. I'm... I mean, uh, I tell you, after that first game, I remember saying to some of the guys, and my brother in particular, and some of the other guys, we're, we're not going to lose this series. We will win this. That team, we're becoming a team, I says. And if we're, we're a team, that, that team can't beat us when we're at our best. And, uh, and we did. We ended up winning. And for, good for us. But it could have very well... I sometimes think, what would have been the consequences had we lost? That's a good People, question. <laughs> I, don't e that? I don't even want to contemplate that. And, uh, and I remember Phil. saying to Serge and Guy Lapointe and, and Kenny and some of the other guys that played in Canada, I said, you guys are the guys. I mean, you won't be able to walk around, this, around the, down the street. I said, I play in Boston. I said, my brother plays in Chicago. You know, I mean, uh, what would be, I mean, people don't give a damn down there. Don't, nobody cared in Boston. Nobody cared in New York. Nobody cared in, in uh, Chicago. But they certainly cared in Canada. And if you played in Canada, you had to bear the brunt. I said, so we better win this, guys. You won't be able to walk down the street. Anyways, we're listening to Phil Esposito uh, talking about the Summit Series and some other things. Phil, I've got to ask you a question about uh, something that is a very sensitive subject to you, I'm sure. And if, if, if you choose not to want to talk about this, we, we fully understand. Go um, ahead. But you lost your daughter yes. a couple of years back. Yes. And um, tell me how that's changed your life. Well, it's changed my life to absolutely despise um, universal health care. Okay. Because he couldn't, she couldn't get an MRI and because uh, she lived in a little town in Germany. Oh, this was in Germany, okay. Yeah, and she had to, it was the only place where she can get the MRI was in Dusseldorf and with three kids. She kept driving around the kids to go to hockey, the three boys in three different ages. And she just didn't go. And it was funny because four days, four days before she passed, I told her I'm sending her a ticket. I want her to come back. I had doctors lined up. I had MRIs lined up because she had complained and complained and complained about her stomach. And she says, okay, I'll go to Dusseldorf and 
I said, have you made an appointment? She said, yeah, it's six weeks. I said, six weeks? You've already gone too long. And um, I remember saying to my wife, I think I'm going to get an appointment. I'm going to go. i got to go over there. I said, because she doesn't sound right, and i got to go over there. And um, next thing I know, I get a call that she, she had uh, succumbed. So I, I'm, I just cannot handle that, you know. I cannot handle. Sure, if you live in a big city, you can get them. You live in a t- small town, you can't. Anyways, Phil... That's, my father and I used to argue uh, about this all the time, by the way. I'm sure you did. You're, you're talking to a couple of paisans here, so... Uh, oh, okay. We, we, we understand the dynamics of an Italian and, household. And, and from Sault Ste. Marie to Boud, <laughs> we, we do. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I just... I, I sometimes just think that, um, you know... I, how much I, I don't want the government running my life I don't yeah That's I want to be able to fend for myself and uh, and do whatever I have to do and I'm not I'm not afraid to work for it Phil uh, unfortunately we'd love to talk to you for uh, a lot longer and we certainly hope we can get you back on the show maybe at some point talk about the Tampa sure. Bay Lightning and uh, some things yeah. a little bit more little bit, a little bit more current we'd certainly love to have you back and we certainly want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing your memories and sharing your sensitive story about about your daughter and um, we wish you all the best and uh, well, thank you guys thank ha- you very much it's our pleasure my pleasure thanks so thanks, much Phil have a great okay, day you can take care bye-bye Anyways, that was uh, the legend, Phil Esposito. Uh, we've had uh, a really incredible uh, last couple of minutes here. Paul Henderson and Phil Esposito talking about uh, some great memories. Anyways, we've got to go. We've got to go to break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to a special encore presentation of an interview we had with Paul Henderson and Phil Esposito in September 2014. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.